0: when is the right time to exploit teams waiting on quarterbacks what's the latest on the Steelers backfield and should you be targeting DK Metcalf in your football guys leagues plus former football guys and FFPC main event league champion Dave Scioto sits in the co-host chair with me to talk David Johnson DeAndre Hopkins prepping for his pros versus Joe's draft, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Shioto is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Pat
1: your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm KRX, and I'm on the mic, and premieres on the breaks.
0: and salutations to each and every one of you balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak. However... Tonight, sitting in for him is a high-stakes player who is coming off not only two football guys league titles, uh, but a main event league title in 2018 as well. He'll be drafting in the 2019 FFPC Pros versus Joes League Number 5 I Must Break You League on Monday, July 29th. You follow him on Twitter at Dave underscore Please welcome in my co-host for this week, Mr. Dave Shioto. Dave, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Glad to be here, Eric. I know you're uh, you're you you've been listening for a while, so uh, uh, you you know the, uh, the the extremely low bar that Gerzak has set for you that you will be leaping over this week.
1: Hey, well, listen, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you know, congrats on 400 plus episodes. That's that's a great accomplishment and just a testament to what you guys do with the uh, this podcast and and you know the high stakes fantasy uh, in general. It's it's really kudos. It's it's great to have you guys and. Uh, it's come a long way since the beginning days when I started, which was way back in 2003. So, congrats, and we we'll appreciate being here.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. So, I mean, it's it's people like you that, that keep the podcast going, people like you that keep the FFPC going. So, we definitely appreciate that. Coming up on tonight's show, Dave and I are going to tell you the latest on the Tyreek Hill situation. What we're expecting from young receivers like Antonio Callaway and DK Metcalf in 2019 and much more. Now, if you are uh, in the chat room right now, I thank you for your dedication. This was pre-recorded, uh, so we're Dave and I are not talking live. Um, we are. I'm probably on a plane coming back home right now, and Dave's probably enjoying his Friday evening somewhere. But you can th- communicate with the other people in the chat room if you want it. If you want to connect with us on Twitter for next week's show, it's at hour at Eric Balkman. Dave is on Twitter at Dave underscore uh, You can post on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/HSFF at Bauer 347-426-3682. That's 347 game over. You can also email the show at the inbox, high fantasy football at gmail.com. All your tweets, all your emails, all your questions coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer Bryce get the week off this week as I'm rolling solo with Dave on this. I want to uh, inform everybody, uh, in case you're wondering, the uh, the maiden dynasty drafts are still going off at uh, myffpc.com. Uh, best ball, super flex, and double ups always available there as well. Those drafts are going off every day. If you want your draft slot early for the FFPC main event, make sure your teams are paid in full by July 22nd. That's roughly two and a half weeks from today. And if you are paid in full by the 22nd, you will get your early draft spot the weekend of the of July 29th. So that is exciting as well. That's the next deadline. Uh, that we really want to stress to all you main event players to make sure that you can get maximum preparation done for your main event teams this year. Uh, Dave, uh, before we get into fantasy football, tell the listeners what, what, uh, what you're doing for a living when you're not winning all these football guys in main event leagues.
1: Well, I mean, I've been in the uh, office fly industry for the last 30 years. Uh, I'm a sales rep uh, for a company here and been at the same company for about 15 years. Uh, that's what my business is as far as personally... Uh, I was a high school and youth basketball coach in the, area, in the Pittsburgh area for uh, probably about 10 to 11 years. I uh, have recently uh, retired from that and focusing solely on uh, fantasy football. The, the winters are long here in Pittsburgh, so anything you can do to occupy your time helps the winters go a little bit faster. But uh, this is part of my uh, therapy for the winter is the fantasy football.
0: Exciting stuff! I, I like that too. So, what and what level of basketball were you coaching?
1: Well, youth all the way up into uh, into high school. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. We, uh, so we had, you know, we were successful in in many areas, won a few championships, but you know, it's just one of those things nowadays where some, several kids get misplaced, and you know, you you just want to guide them in the right direction and teach them basketball and the right way to go about their business, and uh, hopefully you you steer them in the right path for their for their next journey which is more importantly which is college and then on to the real world so that's the focus that we tried to have for years and uh we're pretty successful at it and the, you know all the kids and the parents that i coached uh, had a great amount of respect for and, and vice versa so it was it's a it's a great time i really enjoyed being around and, and teaching kids the game of basketball and uh it's something i had a passion for so i kind of miss it maybe go back to it at one point in time but as i mentioned it, it is nice having some free spare time uh to do what I what I want to do with my time.
0: Yeah, and I was just going to say too you have um that that sort of competitive uh thirst is quenched with fantasy football now, because, well, the difference is, too, I mean, your, your primary goal when you're coaching basketball was to, to, to develop young kids into becoming successful young adults, and, you know, the coaching aspect of, of the actual game and teaching the game is probably secondary to that, but you don't have to worry about that with fantasy football, man. It's all about domination and getting your team out there and beating the other guys, right? That's, that's exactly right, and, and
1: competitive I am. Uh, you know, you, you, you love competition, and that that competition brings out what I think is the best, Uh, But, you know, it can be mine. It can drive you crazy a little bit, too. But in the long run, it's it's fantastic and enjoy the competition and and the relationships. And like I said, building fantasy rosters uh, is is just something that, you know, until you experience it, you really don't appreciate it. But it is it's tremendous amount of fun.
0: Let's talk about the tremendous amount of fun you had in 2018 because it was a successful year for you. You get a pair of FF, or excuse me, Football Guys main event, or excuse me, Football Guys league titles, a main event league title, and then you take 75th overall in the main event and you get 166th overall in the in the Football Guys contest as well as 17th overall. I'm curious, what, I mean, a lot went right for you. Did you end up with a lot of the same studs on on a bunch of your teams? Did you happen to build kind of Different teams that that ended up being very successful uh, on their own. What was the key to success for you in 2018 man?
1: Well, you know as a coach you always remember your losses more than you remember your wins So in, in lieu of that the, the team that I had with my son who, who drafted it and was managing it for the most part uh, was 11 and 0 and lost in the first round of the playoffs with our third FF our third football guys draft and that's the kind of one that sticks in your craw. You win the league by 100 points and you go in 11-0 and 0 and then you lose in the first round and kind of ends it for you. But the, all the teams that we had, all three of those in the main event team that I had, uh, all pretty much very different. I, I mean, I had targeted a few guys that I liked. Uh, I drafted early enough to where there was guys that I was getting earlier uh, that eventually as the months wore on uh, or the weeks wore on, uh, they were going higher in the drafts. Um, but, you know, I did love Christian McCafferty, uh, and I, I did take him. I had Hopkins on one of my teams. But, you know, getting the guys like Connor and, you know, Kittle later in the draft, obviously the, those make a big impact when you were, you're drafting guys in the, you know, later rounds that are, you know, top players at their position. So uh, a lot of things, as you said, went right. Uh, you know, we drafted well, and the strategy I used was to draft seemed to work last year. Uh, it's only taken 16 years to, you know, perfect, so to speak, but we'll see if, uh, if it can continue this year.
0: Let's. I want to unpack a couple of things that you said there, uh, for starting with Christian McCaffrey. You said he lo- you loved him last year. I know a lot of people were on him last year, and he was drafted high. Now we see an FFPC uh, it's been him and Saquon Barkley as like the, the you know, the 101 and 102 and however you want to slice it, by and large, as far as ADP goes. Um, do you still like McCaffrey at that price point? And is there another running back as as you look at, you know, sort of the, the slate this year of, of where these guys are going? Is there another running back that you like um, that that you'll be drafting with equal gusto as you did with McCaffrey in 2018?
1: Well, I mean, my draft strategy when I go in is, again, coming into the high-stakes fantasy league, for the most part, you're going to tell – I could tell you the top 24 players. By the time September rolls around, I could recite the top 24. Now, what order they go in is, you know, is always off a little bit, but those same 24 players seem to go year in and year out. So what I like to do is target a guy that I think is going – a little bit later uh that i would want because the one thing you learn about this league is if you like somebody you got to go and get them because nine times out of ten they're gonna not going to come back around at your next pick so with McCaffrey, you know he was one of the guys that i had targeted and early on in the draft he was waiting and not going until mid-second but obviously after the 1st preseason game i think he ran for 100 yards and two touchdowns that that draft stuff moved him up into the you know, sometimes early first round. This year, um, I mean, the top four is the top four. If you get a top four selection, I think they're pretty pad. Anything after that, you know, I do have question marks about the remaining backs, whether it be David Johnson uh, or the the next group of guys that you want to throw in there. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, those top four are elite, and I don't think anybody, I can see anybody like a David Johnson uh, moving into that territory as far as my liking is right now.
0: Um, real quick with, with George Kittle, well, I mean, obviously we, we saw with James Conner last year, I mean, there's a lot of people that took flyers on him early when they're drafting early and and cashed in when Le'Veon Bell decided that he wasn't going to play in 2018. So that goes without saying, but I'm curious with Kittle, what was it about him? that really attracted you to, to making him a a pick for your team? And could we see, I mean, obviously, you know, Kittle's going as a top three tight end this year, so you're not going to get the same value on him, but is there maybe another tight end similar to the McCaffrey question? Is there another tight end um, that that's going in that range, a tight end that is maybe not the top, you know, one of the first three off the board, but maybe one of the first 10 off the board that could really outperform their, uh, their draft spot this year.
1: Well, I mean, you know, the tight end, because this is a tight end-driven league, is always something that they always get pushed up a little more than, than usual. Uh, last year when I drafted, I think I got Kittle in the seventh or eighth round. Uh, I don't see any, anyone that in that right now that I think is uh, is worthy of that. I mean, guys that I'm keeping an eye on, just um, Delaney Walker, just to see how he comes back from injury. I'm curious to see. He was always a favorite target of Mariota when he was healthy. Uh, so I'm, I'm keen on him. Uh, I'm a little suspect on, you know, the other guys there, the Jared Cooks, when when they change teams and, and or the, their situations change. He was a tight end six last year, uh, but that situation's kind of changed a little bit um, with him moving on. So I don't have a tight end as of right now that I'm targeting in that area. However, I seem to uh, be favoring the O.J. Howards and the Ingrams uh, in trying to get one of those if i don't get an elite in the first two rounds uh trying to target one of them uh you know maybe early in the uh, in the fourth or the fifth round just to shore up that position if i could
0: dave Scioto, a uh champion in the ffpc main event leagues last year as well as a couple of football guys league titles under his belt joining me this week on the hsff hour we don't talk about quarterbacks on this show a whole lot dave Uh, and I think it's because uh, FFPC players push them down so far in drafts uh, where you only have to start one that they're not as important as getting your backs receivers and tight ends right but is there something to exploit there is there something you know because I mean you'll be drafting in pros versus Joes coming up at the end of the month Uh, I expect that quarterbacks are are going to fall in in that draft as well is is that a position that you can exploit and grab maybe an elite guy later than they should go or are you still of the mind like look I, I need to stack these other positions and and I'll worry about my quarterbacks later.
1: Well, I mean that's the difference between to me between redraft and best ball. In the redraft, uh I, I don't see the value of taking a quarterback early. You know, I, I know uh last year obviously um you know the, when you have an elite quarterback that goes off and he outscores all the other quarterbacks by a hundred points, you know, that's a big thing in a week to week head to head matchup. Um but you know, with all with all the quarterbacks that you can even get even off the waiver wire during a redraft, I don't see the value of taking one that early. But I'm a guy that kind of zigs when everybody zags or vice versa. Uh, if I see a quality guy on the board, if, it, if, if Deshaun Watson's there and it's still the seventh round, and I think I can get great value with him versus waiting until maybe the 13th or 14th for, you know, a Big Ben or, uh, or a Rivers or somebody like that, you know, then I will jump the gun. Best ball it, to me is a completely different element because I would be more prone to take a couple quarterbacks earlier to try and shore up that spot uh, as opposed to waiting and hoping, because obviously once you dra- it's the draft is the key part of the, the best ball draft. Whereas the redraft, you know, you can have a guy who gets injured in the first week and you got to, you know, maneuver around to try and find the, the waiver wire guy that'll work for you or hopefully your backup hits. So, Best ball, I, I probably would target quarterbacks a little earlier than normal uh, than I would in a redraft, and that would be my rationale.
0: You alluded to this earlier. When we talk about the big four running backs, It's and this is basically – I don't think much has changed on this since, since we launched drafts in, in mid-January. It's Ben Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, and McCaffrey. I mean, pick whatever order that you want. But David Johnson, I would say within the last two or three weeks, has risen up to being that fifth running back, and in, and in some cases – being the fifth overall pick. Uh, it does not sound like you're ready to put him in that tier. I'm curious as to why you're still keeping him out of, of the top elite tier uh, at running backs this year.
1: Well, I mean, I, when you know, again, the, the redraft versus the best ball is, is, again, one of the major differences. In, the, in a, a redraft, to me, it's an 11-week sprint. So, every week the week uh matters you know a couple of points here, a couple of points there matter uh, when you're dealing in head to head, and your record is one of the indicators that could get you into the playoffs so I like consistency. I like guys that I think week in and week out are going to have those consistent numbers, not knowing the uncertainty of the new offense, the new quarterback, the new coaching staff, the entire situation there obviously you know you, you kind of sift through the white noise and try and get more consistent players that are in established situations. So again, love him as a player. Um, probably think he's going to be a pretty decent back this year. I just, I, I, you know, I put him in a, in a couple others, you know, Le'Veon Bell's in that situation too. Great talent, but new situation. You don't know how they're going to use them. You know, Adam Gates didn't have a tendency to, you know, Uh, let Drake run and just let him go and be the guy he brought in Frank Gore uh, who took a lot of carries away from him so I just get a little leery I heard a little bit about Chase Edmonds how they're going to work him into the situation and when you're talking you know when you're cutting hairs between these elite guys the littlest piece of news can alter that one way or another and that's just right now where David Johnson is in my belief.
0: In prepping uh, for this pros versus Joes draft that you'll have in about in, well, basically, you know, three and a half weeks here. Uh, you did a live classic uh, with the FFPC. I'm curious as to your thoughts, and not, not that this is like a shocking um, you know, pick that you made, because plenty of people are taking, in fact, the majority of people are taking DeAndre Hopkins as the first receiver off the board over players like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams. I have seen, in fact, I was just uh, commissioning an online draft the other night, and Adams went fifth overall. Um, after the big four running backs I'm curious why to you know just get your thoughts on on why Hopkins is is a better pick for you this season than Devontae Adams
1: well again you know when you're talking about these elite guys uh, you you know you really are splitting hairs so it's just a matter of preference Uh, Hopkins again same system he's in Uh, I think this is could be a breakout year for Watson Uh, if O'Brien lets him you know uh, do what he can do and just let him fling the ball around. I, I think that uh, Hopkins is obviously going to be a top-notch guy. Uh, I, when I was there, I was actually hesitant between him and Bell, you know, thinking, do I got to go back? Do I Should I make sure I get my back? But one of the guys I moved up my chart that I like, sort of in the McCaffrey way of last year, is Dalvin Cook. I think he's in a perfect situation. He's with a coaching staff that is – probably going to want to run the ball more than they're going to want to pass the ball this year uh, because it just didn't work for him last year when Cousins was throwing the ball 40 and 50 times so I think him in that offense with the offensive coordinator there have if you look at the splits at the last three games of the year after they fired their offensive coordinator uh, they're going to be a more run heavy team Uh, plus he can catch the ball out of the backfield so I was pretty confident My thought was if I went Bell, I could probably get a good receiver on the way back because I love Juju. Uh, But it ended up being that I could have drafted Hopkins and take Odell Beckham with my second pick. But I did pass on him and went with Dalvin Cook because he's the guy that I had targeted. And uh, I I do like to get at least one guy that I think is going to be a stud running back. So that was the rationale.
0: Makes sense to me, and, and I think that, that uh, that's a strategy I've employed uh, numerous times over the years in, in fantasy to uh, some aplomb, too, so it, I, I'm I'm on board with that. Let's talk about the receivers here, and, and I'm going off of memory here, but you take three receivers in the first four rounds, I believe, as uh, you get Hilton and Galladay uh, with Hopkins, so those are your top three receivers. Then you stayed away from the position until mm-hmm. round 11, you get Geronimo Allison, why did you end up going that route where you you really pounded running backs after those top three receivers?
1: Well, I, I kind of use the my strategy is I kind of use the second running back position as a second flex position. You're going to be weak at one position no matter how you draft, even if you're you know you get every pick that you want to pick. So my philosophy is is I get the one elite back or so I f- feel as an elite back. I follow it up with the guys that are you know high targeted guys you know, plus 120 target guys. Uh, And then I just take a bunch of crap shoots with backs uh, for that second position. And I'm hoping that one, if two hit, you know, you're in a driver's seat. If one of them hits, you got your two starting running backs. If two of them hit, you can always fill one in for the flex spot. Or if you have injuries with receivers, uh, then you can fill them in there. It's just kind of what I've been doing recently. It's been working. Um, You know, so I did I I did draft like a Royce Freeman, Anito Smith and Austin Eckler uh, and and Giovanni Bernard, hoping that eventually one of those guys are going to pop and and be someone that you can use on an every week basis. And like I said, if if a couple of them pop, then you got stud receivers that you're you know, are going to get targeted and you're you're following up with some backs that are, are getting some touches.
0: Dave Scioto, a dual winner last year, both a league FFPC main event league title, as well as two football guys, league titles to his name. Joining me on the high stakes fantasy football hour this week. Let's talk about uh, rookie running backs here. Uh, The top two um, by and large off the board via ADP from fantasymojo.com for FFPC leagues have been David Montgomery and Daryl Henderson. Which guy are you more likely to draft this season if they are still going at the end of the fifth round? Is it David Montgomery or is it Daryl Henderson?
1: Well, I would probably tell you that neither would be on my team based on that current ADP. But if I had a pick, uh, I would probably take uh, Montgomery in Chicago. Um, you know, Mike Davis being there scares me a little bit. Obviously, they're saying he's going to be a three-down back. But with Tariq Cohen there... Uh, that production, I, I just I can't count on. Uh, I think there was about I think I looked that there's was about uh, 290 some touches that weren't to Tariq Cohen last year. So there are many touches there, I guess between Jordan and the other uh, Jordan Howard and the other the other backs that were there uh, for him to consume. Uh, I just it's just don't know as far as Henderson. I mean, I, you're looking at a situation to me is is you know. Gurley is still being drafted in the second round. So unless you're taking him as a handcuff, that's a tough guy to take as a flyer hoping that Gurley doesn't pan out. If Gurley pans out, he's going to be the workhorse guy and the guy that they're using pretty much on three downs. Uh, you know. And, and that's just to say you don't know if a, if a John Kelly or a Malcolm Brown are going to step up and take touches away from him, being that he's a rookie. and you know, You'll start hearing he's not picking up the blitzes and things like that. So I kind of stay away from him at that ADP. But uh, like I said, if I had to pick, I would probably pick uh, Montgomery.
0: Yeah, but by and large, if if, if get if those guys are both on the board at the end of the fifth round, you're still probably looking elsewhere because of, you know, the potential. the poten- I mean, honestly, the low floor for both of those guys, right? Correct,
1: correct. And, and that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get guys that have some upside, and, you know. And, and sometimes the best laid plans never work out. You know, had Austin Eckler last year. Uh, and now you're hearing this year that they may ease ease uh, Gordon's role at the beginning of the year and, and ramp him up towards later in the year. Uh, you know, so I had Eckler, who was very efficient with his touches last year, um, but, you know, but then he finally got the opportunity to shine in the big game on a Sunday night against the Steelers, and Justin Jackson comes in and try, kind of steals his thunder. So, you know, you get into those situations, and that's when I talk about those rookies I get a little concerned about the fact that, you know, their upside is, you know, if you're going to get 180 touches from them, there's a lot of guys in that field that uh, you can get the, you know, the, the pass catchers, you know, a Dion Lewis and guys like that that are going to produce weekly that I would probably take shots over, uh, over those guys that have, you know, to me, limited upside.
0: As a player who maybe is, I think it's safe to say that you're, you're definitely more comfortable. You've definitely been very successful with the 20-round you know, redraft classic uh, formats. What do you think, is, as you look forward to your pros versus Joe's league coming up here at the end of July, what do you think the biggest challenge is, is going to be for you as, as you do embark on, on this 28-round affair where you won't have any um, opportunity to make any changes to your roster throughout the entire season?
1: Well, I mean, roster construction, I'm trying to read every article I can to determine, you know, what is the best roster construction. I don't know off the top of my head, you know, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. the couple years I've done them. I've had major injuries to my quarterbacks early on, uh, you know, so that's why I was mentioning earlier about drafting the quarterbacks and locking that position up just from past experiences that worked out poorly for me. But as, as it goes, you know, I, I got to get the fine line between how many receivers I think I need to carry, how many running backs I need to carry, vice versa. Uh, To me, you know, I don't know the defenses and the kickers so much uh, if I should be wasting so many roster spots on those. 28 is a lot of players. uh, Gives you a lot of room to take some upside guys. Uh, And in that scenario, obviously, you know, you can take some reaches. And I would probably be more inclined to stack players on teams I normally wouldn't draft players on um team like buffalo you know maybe you take two of their receivers and hope one of them pans out as to be a number two um but that's my biggest concern is just you know players i i can figure out the players that i want it's just a matter of trying to figure out how many of each i need to have at all the positions
0: david a couple of emails if i can get to them here uh, for you that came in uh over the last uh, couple of days from listeners carl in lexington oregon writes I keep seeing Antonio Callaway hyped up as a breakout late round flyer, but how good can he be as the number three behind Beckham and Landry? Thanks, Dave. That is Carl in Lexington, Oregon. You know, I've seen sort of the same thing. There's no questioning uh, Antonio Callaway's talent. I think the key for him has been just adjusting to the NFL and and staying away from the off-field incidents that sort of plagued him in college. But behind Beckham and Landry, I mean, I don't know if you got to count on an injury to, to either one of these guys because I, I don't know how much value I see with Callaway if he keeps getting blocked, not only by Beckham and Landry, but you have other pass catchers like, you know, Duke Johnson and David Njoku out there as well.
1: Right. Well, I mean, he's a perfect example of a guy I would probably not draft in a redraft but would probably take a shot on him in the, in the best ball because he, to me, is like a Deshaun Jackson type. He's going to go one week where he's going to catch two bombs for, you know, 80 yards and 70 yards. And he's going to put up 30 some points for you. And then there's going to go weeks where he's going to get you, you know, three or four points. So he's one of those guys I would put in that category of a best ball guy that I would take a flyer on late. Uh, And then obviously if an injury does occur, but in that, in that offense, they are loaded with a lot of talented players around them now between Landry and Beckham and Callaway and Njoku and, You know, the list goes on and on. Um, I don't know there's enough balls uh, on that field to be able to support all those guys, which is one of the concerns I have with the Browns. But Callaway is that unique player that has the speed and and can catch the deep ball. So um, redraft, no, but I would consider him definitely in the in the uh, in
0: the pros versus Joes. Let's go to Fort Myers, Florida. It is Ray writing in, which non-Hopkins Texans receiver do you like better, Dave? Will Fuller or Kiki Q.T. And to give you some idea, these guys are actually going fairly close in uh, FFPC best ball drafts right now. Will Fuller is going on average at the 808. And actually the next receiver going off the board right after him is Kiki QT at the nine Oh two. So very, very close there. Do you have a preference between these two or, or if you drafted a bunch of best balls, would you try to split your shares between them evenly?
1: Uh, I QT is interesting just from the standpoint of, you know, he catches the short intermediate routes uh, and can catch five, six balls a game, which is very, you know, that's very conducive to what you're looking for uh, in this game. But, uh, again, best ball, I would probably go fuller. He does have those games again where, you know, you don't notice them. But if he can stay healthy with Deshaun Watson, they seem to have a connection that every time they're on the field, the, they they seem to connect on a long touchdown pass, uh, and it seems to work for him. Neither of them impact my, my Hopkins uh, like for Hopkins because I, I think he's in a he's in an elite class on his own. Um, but I would probably lean fuller there just from the standpoint – if he stays healthy for a full year, and I think this has made be Deshaun Watson's breakout year, that he's a guy I would probably be targeting in that range.
0: Dave, let's, um, let's get into the, the, the question that we always like to ask our, our guests every week. Uh, a player that you see as an early-round boss, a player that won't be making his way onto any of your teams this year, and then uh, on the other side of the coin, a player that's going in the mid-rounds, maybe late rounds, uh, that you think is, is very attractive for fantasy this year, a guy that you'll be targeting on a bunch of your teams.
1: Well, I mean, after you get past the, the Gordons and the Le'Veon Bells, I mean, that that. That next tier of running backs has Joe Mixon, Cook, um, Melvin Gordon, and Bell. I, I, I'm sort of leaning against Joe Mixon. Uh, I, you know, I, I know he had a productive year last year. Uh, new offensive coordinator, they're going to talk about getting Giovanni Bernard more involved in the offense. Uh, I, just, I, I just don't see him on my team as a, as a first-round pick or early second-round pick. Again, I have Cook uh, rated a little higher than him right now. So my, my guy I would probably be avoiding uh, would be Mixon uh, of that crew. Um, as far as, you know, the mid-tier guys, I have, because the way I, I draft, I have so many different running backs that I look at um, that, you know, potentially have some very high upside that they're not going until the 10th, 11th round. Bernard, I did mention, is one of them. I think he's going to have a bigger role. Uh, but, you know, Carlos Hyde uh who's I don't know his current ADP but he has been drafted probably in the 10th round or later you know he I think he's going to get some play in Andy Reed's offense uh Damian Williams uh, has a tendency to get nicked up uh, and I think if he's involved in that offense uh, he could be an elite elite talent uh under Andy Reed in the Kansas City offense which is obviously explosive um so I'm kind of targeting him uh I don't again you know you, you hate to say you're you're hoping for injuries or you're waiting on injuries um, but he's a guy that I think would way far surpass his ADP uh, if, if he gets an opportunity, because I think he is a talented uh, number one pick out of Ohio State, uh, that he could actually excel in that offense. So I have been leaning towards him. Uh, you know, the guy that I love that, you know, he's not being drafted as a, as a first rounder is Juju Schuster. Um, he, I just think his upside is so dramatic. He had 25% of the target share last year with Antonio Brown. With Antonio Brown gone, I can only see that going up. Uh, he had 160-plus a, a targets, so you're losing another guy that had 169 targets, and those targets going to have to go to others. others. And I, I could see him just with an exceptional uh, target uh, ratio this year. So he's one that I'm targeting as a as another receiver that I think by the time the draft moves up might be in the in the top notch. I think he's going in the uh, second round, early second round, but I could see him moving up the chart by the time September comes.
0: Yeah, to your point, Juju Smith-Schuster, two hundred four is is where his ADP sits right now. He has gone as high as the one ten over the last week. And Carlos Hyde, another guy you mentioned, he is going at the eleven oh six in FFPC Best Ball drafts right now. Makes a lot of sense uh, to grab him uh, at that spot there, uh, given the uh, potential upside for that Chiefs offense, as Dave alluded to. Dave, let's get into uh, some of the news and notes around the NFL. I know it's it's not a super busy time, but there is still uh, stuff out there that I think we need to uh, address. And I want to thank Football Guys, Roto World, and, of course, Rob for the rundown this week. Let's start with uh, Emmanuel Sanders over in Denver. He still uh, says that coming back week one for him is, quote, realistic. This is according to Nikki Jababala. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that uh, name right uh, on Twitter. Emmanuel Sanders uh, says he's not going to you know list a deadline or, or some sort of concrete uh, timetable. Uh, but he says that um, this, where he's at right now, it's it's where he expected to be after he tore his Achilles last year. He's been in the league nine years. He thinks he can still put together a Pro Bowl season. Um, so let's unpack this a little bit for and you know expand it out to the Denver receivers. Emmanuel Sanders and, and I'm gonna list their ADPs for you here. Emmanuel Sanders currently going at the 1109. The other guys that would stand to benefit from him not being out there would be Cortland Sutton, who's going at the 909. And then, of course, Deshaun Hamilton, a guy that uh, was was a rookie last year, is going at the 1510 in best ball. So your thoughts on how good Sanders can be this year, uh, as well as um, if he does not come back healthy, could this mean big starts from either Sutton or Hamilton?
1: He, yeah, I don't know if that offense with Flacco and the quarterback can sustain two uh, top two uh, wide receivers. Uh, I think Sutton has an opportunity to break out. Uh, and at, at being that he's a ninth-round pick, I would still probably lean towards Hamilton. I think he may have a little bit better value uh, if he's playing in the slot um, in that offense. I, I think Flacco has a tendency to lock in and so, on some players. Um, so I'm going to be very interested to see in the uh, preseason uh, early on who he had a uh, connection with. Um, you know, you were able to find that a couple years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Marquise Goodwin when they first started in preseason. And I'm just kind of I'm kind of waiting to see. But based on their ADPs, I would probably lean towards Hamilton at his draft position uh, until I got a better feel for Sutton. I think Sutton has a bigger upside. He's more he's a better talent. Um, but in that situation, I would lean Hamilton. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is obviously, if he can come back to, you know, 90% of what he was uh, a year ago uh, before he got injured, you know, he has some value, um, but I don't know if I would take him. Uh, I would probably be more inclined in the in the late teens as I would uh, take him at his current ADP. Uh, coming back from an injury, new quarterback, uh, that kind of stuff scares me when, when you're, when you're looking at the, uh, you know, your redraft leagues.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and I totally agree with that. I mean, the, the, the thing of it is, is like, this is kind of a devastating injury, especially for a wide receiver and Emmanuel Sanders. It's not like he's 22 or 20. You know, I think about when, um, uh, the Deontay Foreman from Houston, I mean, he tore it and like that, that stunk, but he's still a young man who can come back from, from something like that sanders he's he's i mean he's 30 something years old it's just there's a lot of red flags on that so i probably will be staying away in fact i owned one share of him in dynasty and i actually uh traded him away about a month or so ago and have not looked back uh, on that at all let's stay on the same conference different division different position james connor he says that he actually expects his role for the steelers uh, this year to be very similar to what it was last year, according to NFL.com. He says he's going to be a big part of uh, the Steelers' offensive game plan uh, week in and week out. If you remember last year, 1,470 yards from scrimmage for Connor, 13 touchdowns, 12 rushing, 1 catching the ball. While he filled in for uh, Le'Veon Bell, we actually heard, um, you know, rumors, I guess, and and actually from Connor's lips himself said that that he he thought that there was going to be a split workload between him, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell. Uh, one of the uh, beat reporters, I'm I'm forgetting his name, uh, Mark, um, I can't think of it. He writes for the Athletic, but he kind of threw cold yeah. water on that, and and he said like, look, there's there's once the bullets start flying that the Steelers are going to be riding James Conner much more than they will Samuels or Snell. So I think you look at this um, from, from a um, fantasy value standpoint, James Conner uh, Dave is, is going at the two Oh four in drafts right now. I think this report makes you feel pretty good about him um, drafting him there. Let's say if you go receiver at the end of the first, or maybe you want to double up on running backs. I think that's a decent way to spend a, a, an early second round pick in the FFPC.
1: Well, I agree. I think a lot of that was lip service. uh, And the beat writer that reported it kind of alluded to that uh, when he made the comment about there was going to be split carries. I mean, listen, you you look at Mike Tomlin's offense over the the course of his entire career, and he's never really had two backs that have flourished. You know, he's always been a one-back guy. Even when Le'Veon Bell got hurt the first year, and D'Angelo Williams, he was suspended for the the three or four games uh, the one year, and D'Angelo Williams came in and just ran rampant and then as soon as Le'Veon Bell came back the Angelo went to the bench and there was no you you know where to see him so i'm of the belief that Connor is going to be the workhorse as he was last year my concern is is is, is he can he withstand the punishment of the grind um, if they are concerned about that i could see Samuel and possibly Snell taking a little bit of uh, the touches away from him but I agree. He's going to be the workhorse with the Steelers. Uh, big Ben loves him, And I just, I can't imagine they're going to go away from him based on the year that he had. I think the average 4.5 or 4.6 yards per carry last year. So if he gets, if he gets 250 touches, uh, running the ball and he gets another 70 targets, I mean, he's still going to be a 300 touch guy. And, all you can ask for is the opportunity, and I think he's going to get it, and I don't think there's going to be any concern about that. And uh, you know, at once the year starts, David, are, are you Steelers fan? Do you follow the team pretty closely? Uh, I think it's the law when you live in Pittsburgh. And I think it's not. They, <laughs> I think they take you. I think they take you to the woodshed if you're not. I mean, listen, I am a Steelers fan, uh, but I am a more of a fantasy football fan. So if, uh, you know, if I'm playing against uh, Juju or, or James Conner, uh, I'm not rooting for them to score. I hope they win. I root for them. Uh, but, you know, again, fantasy football is king right now. So uh, I, I, I will root for them. It's just, a, you know, it, it's it's with bated breath. I, I don't like rooting against them. Uh, obviously, but they are, uh, you know, they're a dynasty. They're one of the elite teams in the league. The fan base is phenomenal. Uh, And like I said, it's, you you walk through this town and I'm sure Green Bay is the same way. You know, it it is a football town through and through. So, yeah, I I am a Steelers fan, but fantasy does come first. Got to keep your
0: priorities straight. Exactly. Yes, I totally get that. Let's, let's meld the two together. Um, Something that I'm uh, wrestling with in drafts. What about the number two receiver for Pittsburgh behind Smith Schuster this year? I mean, is it Moncrief? Is it Washington? Is it Deontay Johnson? Or uh, You know, the, the, the rookie that they just got out of, I think Toledo. Um, what, what about uh, those three players? How do you handicap them for fantasy? Do you like any of them?
1: Well, I mean, I, everything I'm reading about Moncrief is he's impressing everybody. Uh, I listened to a, a, a Ben talk about him and, and he's just raving about him now, you know the Moncrief I know when he was with Indianapolis and in Jacksonville last year, I kind of don't look at Jacksonville as a you know something I should look at it because their quarterback situation wasn't anything to be you know to look at, but he did play with Andrew Luck during some peak years. He was young at the time, um, but everything i'm hearing is he's going to be the guy, and like I said you know if you if you if you, if you the nonsense with antonio Brown didn't go on. Uh, this year, he would be being drafted in the first round. Juju Smith would be drafted in the probably mid to late second round. So you got two viable options there. If Ben's going to throw the ball over 600 times and Juju, even if you say estimates 170 targets, there's a lot of targets up for, for sale here. Uh, and if Moncrief is the guy, which currently I'm hearing he is, you know, Vance McDonald, him, I'm sure Connor, Jan- uh, Jalen Samuels, I'm sure they'll all chip in. But if he gets those 120 targets, 110 targets, I think he could be a viable option. Uh, Again, you would better know his current ADP, but uh, he would probably be a guy I would look at, um, you know, if I'm going to draft a couple of receivers early to try and fill in my roster later on.
0: Yeah, I've never been a big Moncrief guy before, but I'm with you. Let, you know, a, a lot of the stuff uh, on the internet, but for people who follow the team, has been very positive with Moncrief and the fact that I'm not a Moncrief guy, man. Dave, he's going at the fourteen twelve. I am a Moncrief guy at that price. I mean, I absolutely. totally take a chance on him there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that that's what I'm saying. That that's the kind of guy that I think by the time um, you know late August, early September rolls in. Uh, that you're going to start seeing him creep up the board because that's a fantastic ADP for, for a guy in an offense that, you know, doesn't throw because of their deficit. They throw because they want to throw, you know, a lot of these stats get skewed uh, because their defenses are bad or, or they're in a bad game script. Uh, but this offense, they love to throw the ball. And so if you got to look at it. There are, then you got to look at their number two. And if he's it, that's tremendous value.
0: Uh, Buffalo Bills dot com had a report uh, earlier this week about the offseason work of the running backs and how the snaps were split as far as the first team goes. And uh, apparently it was equal between uh, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. Now, LaShawn McCoy's already said that. Uh, He expects 2019 to be very similar to his 2018 as as far as usage goes. But uh, Frank Gore wasn't around last year. Devin Singletary uh, wasn't around last year. Bills reporter Nate Mendelson says he thinks the competition is going to heat up once we get to training camp, Uh, but this could be a committee backfield uh, I guess with LaShawn McCoy leading the way at 31 years old, um, he's in the last year of his deal. I think Frank Gore only signed a one year deal with Buffalo. So it could be Devin Singletary sooner rather than later, as, as he, you know, as it stands right now, is the quote unquote future uh, of the backfield in Buffalo. But from strictly 2019 uh, purposes, and I'll, I'll let me get, before you answer the question, let me give you the ADPs. LaShawn McCoy going at the 10 10 in drafts right now frank gore the 25 10 and singletary is going at the fourteen oh six. so all three of these running backs are going in the double digit rounds are any of them uh attractive for fantasy purposes at those spots for you dave
1: i would say not for me not for my liking not for the way that i've drafted i, I don't see much upside uh whether it's three guys or two guys splitting carries there uh, I don't know how effective their offense is going to be. Um, I don't, you know, they, they were, I think they were middle of the pack in plays run last year. Uh, their quarterback has a tendency to scramble. Uh, so, I mean, I don't like those ADPs. There's just too many other value plays that I would take in those positions. Uh, so Buffalo's a team uh, running back wise that I would have a tendency to pass on uh, just from a standpoint of there's, there's too much clutter and, you know, maybe it'll iron out in the uh, in the preseason and you'll get a clearer picture of it. But as it stands now, that's just a backfield that I would stay away from. Uh, I w- I, I, again, you know, if you told me McCoy was going in the 14th round, you could take a flyer on him. I just think his better days are are, are by him. Um, and, you know, he was a great productive, you know, back that could catch the ball and, and shifty. But uh, I just don't I, – I wouldn't put myself in that situation. I'd rather take some more upside guys on flyers and then those guys
0: uh let's talk i mean you talk about flyers the tyreek hill roller coaster continues i mean you think about what this guy what what we were talking about doing with him you know just a month a month and a half ago saying that his, his football i mean some people would say in his football career was over that he never played another down in the nfl and now the latest report uh the chiefs could actually re-engage in contract negotiations for an extension in the not-too-distant future with Tyreek Hill, as long as the investigation uh, with the NFL uh, into him involves in, in an outcome where he can continue his NFL career. Yahoo Sports, uh, Therese Pryor actually had this story. Uh, the Chiefs are hoping that they'll find out what Tyreek Hill's status is, is going to be prior to training camp. Uh, Hill already met with Roger Goodell, and um, they're hoping that he is you know, meeting with the team and, and joining them at the start of training camp. Um, reportedly the the suspension for Tyreek Hill is going to be a maximum of four games. That's all hearsay and speculation right now. But if he's only suspended four games, you could look at Tyreek Hill being locked up um, long-term with Patrick Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs, and this has affected his ADP. I mean, he was going in the sixth round before. Now he's ascended all the way up. He's entered the fourth round, and I've seen him go in the second and third round of some drafts on uh, the last week of, of the FFPC uh, Best Ball League. So you look at this, Dave, this situation, Tyree Kill. Are, are you now on board? Are you now willing to take a chance on, on this player, knowing that he still could be suspended, or are you still staying away at that fourth-round price tag?
1: Right now, I'd say the fourth round price tag to me is a little high. You know, I, I, I was hearing, you know, you hear different things, and I don't know if the NFL would be would be spilling what they're, what they're leaning towards as far as the su- suspension, um, but I, I'm thinking six games. So in a redraft league, if you're going to be out six games, to me, uh, that's a very, very high price tag to pay. Uh, you know, in a best ball format, it, it is a little different, obviously, because, you know, you get to use your best players. Uh, so I would probably consider him a little bit more there, but that, that for, you know, until I hear specifically how many days and how many games he's going to miss, that's going to impact him obviously. And it's going to impact everybody. If, if he's not, he's a second round pick and it's not even a question. Um, but as it stands now, a little too much risk uh, and not enough reward for my blood. I, I, I do like him as a player and obviously that's an explosive offense but there is so much that can happen now. I mean, we were hearing last year with Le'Veon Bell that he was going to sit out one game, two games, three, and then it ended up being the entire season. So uh, I don't like putting myself in risk like that in redraft leagues in a a quick season, Um, but we'll see where he pans out here. And if if it is two games, then I think that, uh, you know, I think that the fifth round, fourth, fifth round is probably going to be a more suitable position, but uh, no earlier than that from my liking.
0: Another speedster uh, in the vein of Tyreek Hill, a poor man's Tyreek Hill, uh, John Brown. He was a, uh, a frequent target uh, of Josh Allen during the offseason uh, minicamp practices that Buffalo had going on. And uh, actually, Carson Palmer uh, talked about uh, John Brown being a uh, number one wide receiver in the NFL. He is very fast. This is bodes well for Josh Allen's strong arm. And he's one of the most uh, experienced receivers there. You look at um, what what he could be in Buffalo, and that is the number one receiver over, you know, uh, Zay Jones or, or anybody else that they have there. But John Brown not going until the 20th round, and I guess the moral of the story here is, Dave, if I can get a potential number one receiver in the 20th round, I'm I'm, in, I'm taking him in the 18th or 19th everywhere <laughs> I can get.
1: Absolutely. Again, that, that Buffalo team is one of those I would like to stack if in the best ball league because you don't know who the number one is going to be. Zay Jones had some production late in the year that I think, you know, may warrant a look at. But John Brown that late, uh, I think that's a steal in, in, in at that, that draft position. You know, he has explosive. Uh, he has had some injuries, some health concerns. But I, I think that that position, you can't pass on him. Uh, Allen has, uh, has shown that he, he can throw the ball down the field And John Brown's probably one of the faster guys that can go and get it. So, yeah, I'll sign up for that all day if if that's his ADP. If it stays in that position, there's no question about it. You know, Zay Jones is interesting, uh, you know, just from the standpoint of, you know, he was highly touted. Um, I don't know where Cool Beasley and Foster fit in there. I know Foster had a a stretch of games there uh, where he actually had a couple long touchdowns. Uh, and I'm assuming Beasley's going to fill the role that he does as a slot receiver, trying to you know move in and out and catch little uh, little passes uh, a la you know Julian Edelman. But um, I, I would take a flyer on John Brown at that spot. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean none of these builders receivers are, are really being drafted all that high. I look at Zay Jones; he's going in the 16th round. Cole Beasley's going in the 25th round Robert Foster is not being selected until the 20th round so you can get all these guys pretty cheap and if you want to build a stable of of Bills receivers and grab two or even three of them I certainly think it could pay off dividends in best ball leagues like you had uh, alluded to Dave I don't know how much time we're going to have for emails here I'm going to get to as many as we can and I'm going to start things off here with Jim in San Antonio Uh, he writes it's cute and all that Amari Cooper wants to get 2,000 receiving yards this season but what do you more realistically think he'll get in that offense thank you gentlemen that is Jim in San Antonio Amari Cooper as far as FFPC drafters are concerned he's not going uh, he's a mid-third round pick he's going right behind Antonio Brown Mike Evans Keenan Allen T.Y. Hilton he's actually going right in front of Adam Thielen Stefan Diggs AJ Green and Julian Edelman so Amari Cooper, as we assess what he does this year, I mean, I, th- I think he gets 1,000 receiving yards uh, in that offense, Dave. It's it's pretty run heavy down there. Um, but right. I, I, they gave up a, a first-round pick to get Cooper on this team, so you know they want to use him. I'm not a huge Randall Cobb guy. I, I don't think they have uh, much at tight end. I mean, I know Jason Witten's back, but his, his best football is clearly way behind him. Um, I, I 2,000 <laughs> is not going to happen. But... 1100 maybe 1200 I think that might be pushing it maybe seven or eight touchdowns uh you know 75 80 catches that seems about right to me what what do you think about cooper this year
1: yeah I mean I have
0: him targeted in that 120 range of you know getting 120 targets
1: 75 to 80 catches I'm probably looking on the high side 1100 he had what I think he had seven touchdowns last year so you know he, he's productive you know that's the type of receiver you're getting you know the ty Hiltons and the guys guys that are going in that range are all in that 120 target range are getting about those, you know, those type of numbers. So, I mean, he falls in there. I don't think he's going to, I think that's his high end to me. Uh, He had, obviously he had some games in Oakland where he completely disappeared. Um, But, you know, Dallas, he, he was getting, you know, I think his last four games he had over or his last three games, he had 25 targets or, over 30 targets in his last three games so he's getting the looks uh if his and he's if his efficiency uh with his catches stays up i, I guess he could surpass 1200 yards but uh i'm with you I, i'm in that 1100 yard range you know maybe seven eight touchdowns um which probably puts him as a wide receiver too uh it, more in the line the you know late second early third would be my projection of where he's going to go um, but I see some guys falling around him. I, I would like a little bit better than him.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I'm just looking at, well, the, just the guys I named off the, the, collection of receivers around him. I'm, I'm probably taking Thielen and Diggs over him. Um, I don't, AJ green's a little bit dicey. Um, but uh, if, if Keenan Allen's out there, I'm, I'm still taking him over Cooper Brown and Evans for sure. Hilton's a, co- a coin flip. I guess. I'd, I, I don't know. I guess I'd lean Hilton over Cooper, but that's really close.
1: Yeah. I, I like Hilton just from the standpoint is Andrew Luck came back last year. They, you know, he, he was coming off an injury. Uh, Hilton had a couple, you know, he had a couple injuries with his hamstring. Uh, I like Hilton a little bit more. I think he's more explosive. Uh, I think he's in an offense that ran the most plays last year. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to be as run heavy um, in, in Indianapolis. So I would lean Hilton there over Cooper. But, you know, like I said, if they want to make him the number one guy, and Dak Prescott's going to key on him, I think he could have a good year. I just I don't know if he's can be a top five guy in the uh, in the league. Where I think Hilton, if he if he does well, uh, Hilton and now, and I think could easily be in the top five at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, no question, agree with you. They have a much much higher ceiling than Amari Cooper. Let's move on to Matt in Syracuse. I was all set for a 2019 breakout from Ronald Jones, but now I see one of the beat writers from Tampa talking up Peyton Barber. Who should I target? Or should I go after both or neither? That is Matt in Syracuse. Thank you for the email, Matt. A lot of questions there. So let's look at ADP, first of all, and see where these guys are actually going. Peyton Barber, 11.09 on average over the last week in FFPC best ball drafts. Ronald Jones is currently going at the 8.11. So Jones is going first. I don't know if it's the case of just take the cheaper guy. In this case, it would be Barber. Um, how do you see this situation playing out? And the fact that you don't have to soak a, a, a pick until the eighth round and either one of these guys does it make locking up this backfield attractive for you, uh, Dave? How would you handle the Tampa Bay running backs?
1: I mean, I would look. I think Ronald Jones would have more upside than me. We kind of know what Peyton Barber is, um, and I, I he's not he's not the explosive back he used to be. So I, I would lean Ronald Jones there. You know, you throw another guy in there. He's probably not being drafted, or his ADP's not there. But here, and Andre Ellington worked with Bruce Arians in Arizona and had some success there. Uh, and the early indications are that he's having a, uh, you know, he had a good mini camp. So he's another guy that you got to look at into the mix and just say, you know, if Ronald Jones, the, the hype on him last year that he wasn't picking up the offense or he wasn't picking up the blitzes and things like that. I got to believe unfortunately it's a new coaching system. Uh, hopefully he'll pick it up better this year. But I just think if I'm going to take a side with an upside guy, I would probably take a flyer on Ronald Jones before I would take Barber, who, we kind of know what he is, uh, and I don't see much upside there. Uh, I'm just going to keep an eye on uh, on Ellington just to see what progresses there because uh, he is a catching down back, um, and Bruce Arians, as you know, loves to throw the ball. So if that's the case, uh, you know, you know, you might get a surprise there late in the round, uh, especially in some best ball if, if he does make the team and is, and is productive.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Ronald Jones, never really a pass catcher at USC, was definitely not a pass catcher last year uh, as well. So it's all fine and good. If we talk about a breakout, but when you, we we look behind it, we got to start seeing some of this stuff on the field. And to date, we haven't. You get Peyton Barber in the 10th round. That makes sense to me. Ben in Riverside, California. Dear Cooler Dave and Balky, how nervous are you guys for Ezekiel Elliott meeting with the commissioner this week in terms of a possible 2019 suspension about his security guard incident? Great host upgrade this week, winky face that has been in riverside california thank you for the email ben the cheeky email from ben this week um ezekiel elliott met with goodell on tuesday this week i don't uh, know the results of that because we're recording this early um but how nervous are you because you included him in the in the big four running backs is a guy that that you didn't downgrade um so i'm guessing that you're thinking that we either a won't see a suspension dave or b if if we do see one it'll be a, a pretty small one
1: yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a suspension. I was listening to the NFL Network the other day, and a couple of the people were saying that uh, a little bit of a white noise. Now, you know, you never know what Goodell is going to do in the NFL office, but I, I would I would hesitant to think that he's not going to get suspended. Uh, I have him projected not to get suspended, suspended. Again, obviously, if he does, it changes the strategy of where you're going to draft him based on the number of games, but... Uh, I I don't think that's going to be the case and you know what you got to look at is he had a lot of touches last year and I think he only ended up with nine touchdowns Uh, I got to believe if he touches the ball close to 350 times that that touchdown production is going to go up Um, so he's high on the board but a a suspension of one or two games could impact that it would definitely impact me uh, not in the pros versus Joes because I picked second so he would be removed from the equation automatically but uh, if I was drafting and I did hear that, that would definitely impact them because, you know, a couple games here and there, especially in a redraft, uh, may be the difference between winning and losing.
0: I should ask you that, Dave. Do you have, um, knowing that you do pick second in, in your draft right now, do you have a, a player in mind or two players in mind that, that you're targeting uh, with, with with that spot? One of those two players uh, will obviously be there, uh, given that you're picking second. Do you know which 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 way you're going to go?
1: I don't know yet. Uh, I mean, I have a partner that's involved with this. Um, He's been my partner for the last several years, Um, but I, I mean, obviously Barkley in in, uh, is is fantastic. Uh, The Giants offense with Eli scares me a little bit Um, McCaffrey, you know, you hear the rumors. It's never been a back. That's, you know, been the number one back two years in a row for however long. Uh, And then to me, the third guy right now is Kamara. Um, Again, splitting hairs, but I'm looking at it. Is Drew Brees going to throw the ball as much as he did? It seems like they're weaning away from that. Uh, and if Kamara is not the workhorse back, if they're going to use Latavius Murray, I get a little concerned there. So right now I would probably hedge Barkley or McCaffrey. Uh, but again, either way, I probably can't go wrong. It's just you know, It just gives you something to,
0: to think about over the next couple of weeks. Now you're the, your co-manager that you have for this, is, that's Frank Renner, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct he yeah. was in the uh, pros versus Joe's uh, several years ago yeah
0: that was my yeah. next question I think he was in 2014 uh, did he give you any advice on, on the best way to attack this competition
1: well you know he, he said don't follow his format I think was his part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was very successful in it and but you know what it's one of, it, it's one of those things where an injury here an injury there, Uh, You know, you you don't draft enough at a certain position. So uh, I'm going to go back and look at his draft and, and, you know, try and get an idea of where his uh, roster construction was. But, uh, yeah, he he was in it, and uh, to his own saying, he wasn't very very pleased with how it went. But you live and learn. Hey, the first year I was in the White Cough, I sat next to Kimra and the Day Drinkers, and I got absolutely exposed thinking I knew everything about fantasy and little did I know I was drafting next to a future Hall of Famer and and people that know their business. So it it's a humbling experience, but hopefully, uh, you know it's going to be fun, and I'm really looking forward to
0: it. Yeah, and and to to your, I mean, in your defense, you're talking about with, with Jason <laughs> Goldman and Josh yeah. Held, and then Kimmer Schlicher. I mean, so, some of the best in the business. So that was that's a tough spot to be in. It doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes it does. And uh, you you've uh, obviously learned from it, given uh, your success. Even it, just looking at last year alone, uh, you've, you've certainly come a long way, and and that's why you're you're on the show this week, or a big reason for it. We got time for one more email. I'm going to go to. I, I'm going to butcher this. This town, but it's it's Tom in Ashtemo, Michigan. Ashtemo, Michigan. Uh, Dear Steve and Doug, I've already heard Balky and Dave talk about their dynasty valuation of DK Metcalf, but how do you guys view him from a redraft perspective? Go Hawks! That's Tom in Ashtemo, Michigan. DK Metcalf, as far as his ADP right now is at, uh, as I lose my spot here, the 12-11. So he is going at the end of the 12th round. Uh, ostensibly going to be the number two, potentially the number one wide receiver in Seattle, although I think Tyler Lockett has a pretty safe handle on that situation, but DK Metcalf, I I think this goes back to your philosophy of best ball versus classic, because if you get this guy on your best ball team, he could be a big playmaker, but he could be also be pretty inconsistent. How do you view Metcalf?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a
0: physical specimen, obviously
1: I'm not sold on his route running ability, Uh, You know, late in Des Bryant's career, he kind of got exposed for, you know, the way he used to run his routes and people used to jump his routes pretty consistently as he lost some of his speed. So if you're not a good route runner in the NFL, I mean, you can get exposed pretty early. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll grow into that role as being a better runner. um, But I don't think he's any threat to Lockett to be a number one guy right now. Uh, Again, I will key on him in the preseason just to see, you know, how they use him. Uh, if it's more of a jump ball situation or on slants, just to get an idea of their offense and, you know, and how they're going to try and incorporate them into the mix. Obviously, when you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback, you know, they're, they're, you you can make a lot of errors and he'll make up for them. So, uh, again, redraft leagues, probably a little rich for my blood, um, but would take a flyer on him. But again, it wouldn't be that early. And even in the uh, in the best ball situation is uh, I have too many other guys that I would put ahead of him.
0: Dave, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to you, picking your brain. We'll, we'll be following the action on July 29th when you're drafting from the second spot in the I Must Break You Pros versus Joe's League number 5 draft. We'll be covering that live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour pick-by-pick. Pick. Hopefully, if you get a chance to, to give us a call and, and make a pick on there, we always appreciate that. Um, so thanks a lot for for uh, for hanging out with me this week man best of luck to you and not only pros versus joe's but the ffpc main. maybe you and uh, frank will be taking down that half million this year hey
1: i hope so it'd be fantastic and i appreciate you having us on uh and i'd be very remiss if i didn't mention a shout out to all the military people on this in the independence weekend they keep us safe uh they go under the radar but they're so appreciated and We should look at it more other than the major holidays that we, you know, we show appreciation to them. But shout out to all the men and women that that keep us safe on this Independence Day. Uh, it's, It's very much appreciated.
0: I echo those sentiments as well. They uh, do not get enough just due, so hopefully we can give them just due by thanking them this week. Thanks to uh, Dave Chiotti the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. We will be back live Friday at 10, uh, 10, 9 Central on July 12th. Dave will actually be back. He's had basically a month off, so he'll be back next week. Check out those maiden dynasties, all the best ball leagues at myffdc.com, and remember to make sure you're paying off those main event teams to get your draft slots early on July 29th. Pay those off by July 22nd. Uh, to make sure that you are taking care of that. And, of course, as always, your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. That was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
1: We're on floor, even more so if we on tour, me and e Wondering about the evening before Trying to explain where the time went While other rappers find a studio to grind in